This is M.I.P. With Masamela Mafumo. Mark Thompson. Get woke. The legends are true. We're overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 $50 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Ladies and gentlemen, a much-awaited book is out. We have been blessed by his epic tweet threads, which are black history threads. But now he's got a book coming out. Everybody's talking about it. We look forward to all of you having it and what a difference is going to make. Black AF history, the unwhitewashed story of America by our dear brother, Michael Harriet of the Griot. Michael, how are you, my brother? Congratulations on the book. I'm great. I'm great. And thank you for having me. Um, I guess your audience should know that I really wanted to talk to you about this book. So I was like, hey, even if it wasn't on your show, it was not even planned for me to be on your show. I just wanted to talk to you. <laughs> right, right. No, we were just going to talk, y'all. I said, well, now let's, let's share this experience with the audience so they can participate in it. Well, again, man, congratulations. First of all, tell us about the evolution of this, because, again, we can count on you. We go on Twitter or I guess we have to call it X now, whatever it is. And I still call it Twitter. <laughs> right, right, right. And we go on there in, in, in spite of what it stands for now. You are one of the few bright things to see, the bright things to read and the meaningful things to read on that platform. Was there, did something come to mind at some point? I'll say, I'm doing these threads. But now I need to go ahead and do a book. How did that come to be? I, so I wish I could take credit for it. But the truth is, so a lot of people don't know that my background is as, a, as an economist. And I taught a class, a college class called Race as an Economic Construct. So a lot of those Twitter threads come from that. But I was actually pitching a book to publishers called White Peopleology. And it's basically based on my belief that you can't understand the concept of race in America by examining black people. Like we didn't create the concept of race. We don't perpetuate white supremacy to understand it. You got to understand white people. Well, the subtitle of that book was something that the publishers had never heard of. And so every time I went into a publisher, to a publisher, they were like, yeah, we want to do the book. 
But how about two books? And one is on that stuff you do on Twitter. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Well, when we signed the deal, they decided to flip the order of the books because, again, the subtitle of white peopleology was a subject that they'd never heard of when I initially signed the deal. And the subject was, the subtitle was, toward a more critical race theory. And they were like, well, nobody's ever heard of critical race theory. This was back in 2019. They were like, nobody ever heard of critical race theory. And so thus we did this first book first. And now everybody's heard of white of critical race theory. So it probably would have been better for me to get that book out of the way. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Black AF history all. So you also, which is characteristic of your voice, your articles on the griot, in the griot, the Twitter threads, you give anecdotes about your own life, your own story, your, your relatives growing up. And that's one of the things that, that makes it more meaningful. Is the audience for Black AF history everyone? Because as I read it, I mean, of course it's for everyone, but man, this can almost be, this really could be a textbook. And you have even some study guides and and quizzes in it. Yeah, so the book is actually, so I don't think you could just make a book and decide who's going to read it. I always say that I, when people ask me who I write for, and I always say that, have you ever been in a place where like you heard a sound or saw something and you turn to the person and say, did you see that or am I going crazy? A lot of times black people in America experience racism, feel the energy of America. And they'll make us, they'll make you think that you're crazy because they'll say, nah, racism is over, right? Like racism ended when we, I don't know, signed the Civil Rights Act or voted for Obama or something like that. Well, I wanted to show black people, and that's why I write, that we ain't going crazy. It's, it, every black person doesn't have the platform that I have. So I don't say that I'm speaking for black people, but I'm speaking to whoever's listening with a voice that is ingrained and cemented in black people's voices in our community and how the, and the way we relate to each other. So that's who I wrote this book for and to. When we talked about getting together this way, you had mentioned wanting to have a, a chat about religion. And I'd like to touch on that in the book because that is foundational to the history of this hemisphere if not the world, but your book gets into that. And I don't think there can be too many books or too much research on the role of Christianity when it comes to our people's sojourn and specifically our people's enslavement here in America. Talk to us a little bit about that, how in fact it was the church, specifically the Catholic church that allowed the enslavement of our ancestors. Yes, so race-based slavery as it appeared in America was a concept that was created because of the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church initially, when the first uh, guy named Nuno Tristau and Antal Gonzalez uh, were trying to get around the Cape of Africa and they discovered that they could sell enslaved people for profit. Well, the problem with that is that the Catholic Church, which was synonymous then, and we'll get into that later, with the Christian Church, with Christianity, didn't 
approve of slavery, except if the people you enslaved were not Christians. And so when they, this was during the tail end of the Crusades, so they figured, hey, if we specifically choose the black people and enslave the black people, not only will the church overlook it, but they will approve of it because this was a time when the church was splitting up and it was Roman Catholicism and Orthodox Christianity and then the Anglican church. So they were losing money. But this slave, race-based slave trade and the tithes and offering from it supplemented the, the countries that the church lost during that split. And so the Christian church and, and Christianity, and I don't, I don't really like to equate the two because one of the premises uh, of the book is that what black, the religion that black people practice in America is, uh, is called, and, and this is a term that Du Bois used, the black religion. And it's a solely different form or almost a different kind of Christianity than what we equate with Catholicism, Protestantism, or what was created before. As a matter of fact, just back to that, that early conversation, just back to that early conversation that the Catholic Church, or as you said, as you lay out in the book, the Christian Church was having, when they arrived in over here in this hemisphere, hemisphere the so-called New World, at first there was the enslavement of the natives, but who also weren't Christian, but the church said, well, you know, don't do that to them. And many of them were also dying out because of the diseases that the Europeans were bringing. As I was reading your book, I couldn't help but think the Europeans were the original COVID. That's what they right. were. When they came over, they just wiped people out, folks. That's just really how it was. And there was no, there was no, there were no masks. And nobody knew anything about that. But then the Catholic Church said, okay, well, do not enslave those native so-called Indians. Instead, since Portugal had a monopoly, to use an economic term, on human trafficking because of its, as you write in the book, it's, and, and Michael Fuchs really lays out the history of Spain and Portugal, how Portugal got involved in, in, in human trafficking. Because Portugal had a monopoly in that market. He said, wait a minute, y'all got a good thing here. Just use the humans that you're trafficking out of Africa. So while the church was being was playing its role of being, I guess, Christian and benevolent toward the natives until they, in terms of enslavement, even though they were killing them with diseases. The church was not so when it came to Africans, to your argument, because we as Africans weren't Christian. Right. And what people have to realize is that, so the first, the charter, the first charter of Virginia, the goal was to civilize the savage, the, what they call the savages, right? Um, the first law for slavery in Massachusetts was just the church rewriting scripture from Leviticus that says who you can enslave. You can't enslave. You can only enslave people who are not of your religion, who are you have been to war with. And so, but what you said, I jokingly in the book said, say that, but it's really true that everybody else was allergic to white people. So the Africans was the Africans were sturdier, um, more resistant to disease, and that's why they were chosen. And then when they went back, they said, hey, when you go back over there, make sure you choose 
the black ones. And for years, I, as a poet, I, I would, I, my nickname was the black one. And people would wonder why I use that name, but that it was a specific translation from the Catholic church. Make sure you choose the black ones. And, but what, what I try to do in this book and, and explain this is that, so what people don't realize when they talk about religion, especially Christianity and how it evolved across the world is like, basically black people got here before Christianity did, right? So the so King James, right? The, the first charter of Virginia that I just spoke about, that was written by King James, the same guy from the King James Bible who commissioned it in 1609. It was finished in 1611. Well, black people were here since the 1500s, 1525. So what black people developed in their place, in their minds and formed from their own religious practices was a kind of Christianity because everybody was forming a kind of Christianity, right? Like it was no Bible available worldwide. So they were creating a religion just like white people were creating a version of Christianity based on the followings and the teachings of Christ. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc this is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the lexus performance line a feeling this dynamic is invite only fortunately you're invited Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus performance line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. One of the other things that's important, and in, in, in specifically in the chapter, the Negro spiritual, you remind us of something that is very important, in, including the creation of what we now know as the black religion or the black church. The f many may not know this, but the f you write this, the first churches, the first black churches, African-American churches, were founded by those African-Americans who were loyalists to the British, loyalists to the British during the revolution, correct? Right, right. and. One of the things that I talk about with this book is that when you write history from the perspective of black people, then you learn a different version of history. So in this history book, right, you see it through the eyes of black people. So it wasn't just like British loyalists and then American patriots. It was just two different kinds of white people fighting. 
And the black people chose the side that would most likely affect their freedom. They didn't have a political side in the battle. They didn't have taxation or an economic favorite. They were choosing freedom. And the British offered that. That's why more times as many black people fought for the British side than the American side, even though like places in Florida and Ron DeSantis would have you believe that the American patriots who fought in the revolution were black when there is no evidence that anyone who even fought for the American side were doing it because they were loyal to America. They were loyal to their idea of freedom. That's very important. And hence, I think it's also important to note, you have really the Second Amendment as a result of black folks setting themselves free. And you write about the, the Stono Rebellion. Many of these states had laws making it possible for whites to carry guns openly to defend themselves against us and even defend themselves from the thought of what the British had done. Because the British said we were going to be free. If they won, if they fought with us, if we fought with them, we were going to be free. And that was a threat to the white plantation owner and all whites in general here in America. Now, you mentioned, too, the book of Leviticus. So that was used as a justification. But then, interestingly enough, there were other passages of the Old and New Testament about the Israelite exodus and its freedom from enslavement. Anything having to do with freedom and liberation, that was left out of the Bibles that they were using to convert us, weren't they? Right, right. So a, a group called the Society for the Propagation of the Gospel created what we now call the Slave Bible. So they removed that part about the Israelites and Moses. They, were, they removed the part about any kind of rebellious enslaved people. They left in the parts about slaves obey your master, though, right? So they were trying to give us a white version of religion. And again, you have to remember this in the context where there was no like unified version of the Bible. So there was a Bible for white people. There was a Bible for slaves. There was a Bible for Catholics. There was Luth there was a German Lutheran Bible. There was an Ethiopian Bible, which is really still the most comprehensive version of it. But the translation that was given to the enslaved Africans was a white people approved version of the Christian religion that removed rebellion from it. And there were also, in, in terms of this black religion too, wasn't it, Michael? And, and folks, really, the, the book is great, the, the way he lays all of this out. There were two real threats, one that us being organized in our religious institutions, be the early ones, the AME church and what have you, we were learning how to read. And that was still against the law. And we were also reading and interpreting scripture that encouraged freedom and revolution. So you can't have those two things together. We know how to read and we also know how to specifically read where it says we're supposed to throw these shackles off. Right. And, and that's an important thing to understand is that like the black religion, as I call it, and the black religious tradition in general has always been a gospel that was about liberation. Swing low, sweet chariot coming for to carry me home. Go down Moses, way down in freedom land, right? Like we sang about it. We preached about it. It was about freedom. That was the thing that 
black religion created in our minds. And so when we talk about, you know, this idea of religion versus the political versus the activist, there was no separation in black in, in the tradition of, of, of black history, period. Remember, even after emancipation, who were the first political figures that went to Congress and represented black people in state legislators? state legislatures. They were largely black pastors. And I always remind people that places like the AME church and the churches in general, right? They were teaching, not just teaching people how to read, but any place black people gathered, especially under the guise of religion, we first were worried about education. So much so, in fact, that they had to pass laws to stop us from learning. So when they push that narrative about black people stop, don't value education. Like, when did we stop? Because you know y'all had to kill us to stop us from learning how to read. And y'all had to pass laws. Y'all had to make it illegal. Y'all made it illegal. Y'all burned down schools. And so there was never a moment in, in history where black people didn't value education. And so they pushed that narrative just like they pushed this this false Christianity on us. And, and why I'm saying that is that I differentiate between the teachings of Christ and what we now know as the religious principles that like evangelical Christianity that votes for Trump. And so those are two different things, right? There is a gospel of liberation that black people created from the start that we have always believed in and we have always invested in. No, absolutely. We most certainly have. Again, Michael Harriet, folks, in his book, he he shares stories and anecdotes from his own family. Share with us, our audience, if you don't mind, the story about when your your faith was tested and your grandma asked you to do something. I don't even know, and I'm a minister of the gospel myself, I don't even know if I could have done what you did, Michael, but but please tell that story. Yeah, so when I was first going to uh, public school, I was, a lot of people don't know this about me. I was one of the highest top ranked rappers in the coastal PD region of South Carolina. And, and I had a, a group that we were going to be in the, in the middle school talent show. What was your name? And we what, had, what was your rap name? What was your rap name in the group? My name was DJ Fresh. Yes, sir. Uh, and uh, so we passed the audition. It was time for the, the big talent show. And I got the flu. Now, of course, my grandmother had a, re a remedy for this. Now, her remedy was this. You pee in a cup, you drink the pee, turn the cup upside down so you'll pray over it, and then your cold will be gone. Well, I could not bring myself to drink no pee. And plus, like, I got three sisters, and they were just waiting. We're going to see if Mikey drink the pee. Boy, they was waiting. They kept the eye. They almost did shifts waiting to see if I was going to drink that pee. So in the middle of the night, I got up, peed in that cup, and my grandmother prayed over it, turned it upside down, and I swear to y'all, this had to be like COVID-12 or 13, right? But I peed, I, I, that flu went away, and we won the talent show. Well, years later, I was with my grandmother at church, and she was sick, and she peed in the cup, drank it, Swished it around in her mouth and spit it out, 
and then pray. And I was like, what? You supposed to spit it out? Y'all didn't tell me you were supposed to spit it out. I, I still got beef about that. I still got beef. But you know what? The, the secret is I never drank the pee anyway. I just, I never, I just told my grandma that I, that I drank the pee, but it was the face that did it, not the pee. <laughs> right, right, right. You got to believe. You got to walk on the water. That's how you have to right. believe. Folks, Black AF history, the unwhitewashed story of America. It's available wherever books are sold, wherever you get them. Man, this is great. In, in closing, in your own words, what do you want everyone to get from what you've written? I want them to get a version of history that hasn't been filtered through the lens of whiteness. And even when we talk about history, it's always rooted in oppression and not triumph. And what I believe is that you think about, when you think about Black people coming, being brought and dragged to America with nothing, no family in a lot of cases, no possessions, no language, nothing. And coming here on a, and building the biggest economic superpower that has ever existed on this planet, and then being free and building schools and churches and communities and houses of worship and places to commune amongst ourselves. And in a very short time, is basically the blink of an eye in the long arc of history. Look where we are like, I think that is the reason that there is so much consternation on the behalf of white people is because they have every advantage historically, economically, politically, and socially, and they know we are on their behind. When they look over their shoulders, they see we are so close to them that it has to frighten them. It has to worry them being given every advantage that society can offer. And to see us and how much we've progressed it is really a miracle in and of itself. And that is the thing that I want to take away, not what America did to black people, but what black people did for ourselves. That is the lesson of black history. And one of the things that you also say in this book is that slavery is not the beginning of our history in the first place. We were taken. Right. And you just, we, were, we had established every vocation. We were royalty, we were doctors, we were scientists. That's who we were in Africa. So folks, this is important. Again, Black AF history, please share it with everyone. Please get it everywhere books are sold. This is our brother's great work and we're so thankful for it. Michael Harriet of The Griot. Again, congratulations, my brother, and thank you for joining us on Make It Plain. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. As always, perform an act of kindness on behalf of an elder or young person. Write a letter to a sister brother who just so happens to find her or himself incarcerated. Offer libations to the ancestors upon whose sturdy shoulders we all now stand. And above all, give thanks to the God of your understanding by whatever name you call her and him. All God asks of us is that we give each other love. Thanks for giving MIP love. And please remember to subscribe and give us a five-star rating. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain.